Welcome back to our present future, Explorations in Regeneration. This episode is with Barbara Leon de Carvalho. Barbara is an ecologist, entrepreneur, impact investor, teacher, and author. In this conversation, we discuss the state of the world, regenerative projects, and aligned sources of capital, and how the role of marketing and communication is evolving in these spaces. Barbara has been and is involved in many projects with great impact here in Portugal, and she views her function in the ecosystem as a bridge builder. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Barbara Leon de Carvalho. Barbara, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been a long time looking forward to sitting down and getting to discuss deep topics together. Uh, we've known each other for a while, spoken a little bit, but I've always had this sense like, oh, there's so much more we could we could go into. So I'm, I'm quite looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, we, me too. Thank you so much for the invitation. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we will... We made a plan to go into kind of two general themes, but then we see where the conversation takes us. So I really am curious to speak to you about kind of at a macro lens, where we are as humanity, as a community of life, the big challenges that we're facing, and thinking about it in terms of what portfolio of transformations, how do we distribute our energy? And so that can take us down a few different tunnels, I'm sure. And look forward to getting into that. And then the other coming a little bit closer down to earth is marketing and communication, something I know you've worked deeply on for a while. The challenges, what you've seen that has evolved from sustainability to regeneration, um, you know, both educating as well as selling, uh, the nuance there, uh, greenwashing and different different challenges that, that are faced. So with these two background themes, I'll pass over to you first, ask you to first just give an introduction and share a little bit about your work. Yeah. Well, two micro perspectives that are super hard to to explain or even, uh, oh, I'm, I'm just being delighted with this amazing sun. I'm just moving a little bit here. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so I'm Barbara. I consider myself um, an ecologist at heart. So I've been devoting all my life to just being open to see what is needed in terms of infrastructure in Portugal. I work mainly in Portugal and yes, I've been using tools of marketing or of management, uh, basically working with money towards something different, which I never expected I would be doing any time in my life. So it's really nice when life shows you the path and you're open enough to just, you know, try it out and and pursue the calling. So yes, eventually I become um, an entrepreneur and recently an impact investor. And and yes, but I think the basics of all I do in life is um, deep ecology or this deep sense of we are nature. We are part of it. So we are not disconnected to the from the 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 whole. Um, yeah. So th this is where I come from. Is as a person and as a human, as a, um, in my working force also, you know, all my, all my drive personal and in terms of work comes from there. Yeah. And is that something, this, this deep connection embodiment, we are nature, is that, was that always with you or 
did you have kind of a, a progression into that sort of feeling? What was your your path like in in relation to that? Yeah, there was in the. I mean, when I was a child, my mother had this insight that I should grow up in nature, and this is was the only insight that that she had. So we moved to Serra da Estrela, which is a very, uh, you know, very nice area. We lived in Lausanne. So I just grew up, you know, going around um, the forest and just being free. I And I think that had a great impact in my life because later she brought me back to, to Lisbon when I had to have, you know, certain type of education. And the basics of it all is that what I what I found myself to discover is that if you if you're not in love in nature, if you're not in love with your own nature, you won't you won't be able to connect. You won't be able to see what's really important in life. So I think big changes come from small small decisions of just being connected. And I think that that imprint of nature in me in such a you know um, young years was revealing of my drive later in my life. And the only thing that I did was actually just open up for that. I think, you know, when we arrive in this place of connection, there's a big side that humility uh, brings to our lives. I mean, what I'm trying to say is that if if we, we are humble not to push our desires and intentions, which is, you know, schools of lots of schools of thought, especially in management and dealing with money, we are really taught to push our, uh, our said to be truth into our ecosystem. But instead of that, just being humble enough to observe what wants to emerge, want, what wants to be. And that is a lot a more feminine perspective on how the word could be run. And when I'm speaking about feminine, I'm not speaking about women. I'm speaking about the quality of just holding space of what needs to emerge. And if I want to get a little technical, I would say that a lot of innovation comes from a place where you are just open to see what's needed. And a lot of the social innovation comes from this place of openness and uh, humility. So, yeah, that that is one of the teachings that have been uh, I have been incorporating in myself, and and eventually I come up with projects that are innovative. But I don't feel it's something that oh, I brought this to the world. It's just I just hold the space for something that wanted to emerge. You know what I mean? And that's why things become so stronger in terms of projects, in terms of community, when you just let things be. And you just use your mind and your skills to articulate that bigger truth and that bigger calling. Am I making any sense? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. And I can see it so clearly in the business world, that contrast. And I wonder when you came, you know, having that, that privilege to grow up in nature and then coming into the city, was there uh, any culture shock or did you find community that shared that sort of connection or was there a, a bit of um, you know, navigation to to connect and and feel that that was an accepted way to be. I don't know if I'm over dramatizing it. If it was that big of a deal, but no, no, yeah, just how how was, uh, yeah how yeah. how did that that transition feel? Yeah, so it it was a little 
I went through a little drama. I was 10 when I came to the sea just because I wasn't learning that much. So I wanted more and my mother felt that at that time at 10, I, I should go to a place having more access to information, to education. And yeah, but I lost it, you know, all the rest. And I, my mother reminded me that I had written several times that I felt a bird in the cage. <laughs> That was tough for her and for me, but, you know, eventually I realized that the, these two worlds, as I'm now considering that I'm building bridges between, between worlds were part of the experience of actually having two food in different perspectives so that I can now, um, really have action on my drive, which is building bridges between worlds. And I, I just assume that I'm doing that. I feel comfortable in that position. Normally I feel a total outlier because I'm, you know, I'm, I don't have a specific tribe or a specific world that I feel totally comfortable with. I just move around and do, you know, I weave things around what I believe needs to be weaved and done. Yeah. So it's kind of hard for me as a person to be weaving all the time and between worlds, but. Yeah, I think it's one of the functions that we need in the ecosystem. So I'm just open for that and doing that. Yeah. And this might sound very abstract, but concretely, yeah, if we don't do bridges, I mean, if, if we don't have people working on the extremes and working and also people doing bridges, I mean, if we don't accept our function in the ecosystem with the, you know, millions of roles that we need to have to have a full ecosystem thriving, if we don't find ourselves on that function, the whole ecosystem will be losing the gifts that each one of us should be should be giving because people are lost in their sense of belonging and in their function. So yeah, I'm just happy that I found myself early in my in my in my twenties. Yeah, that's very nice. I I'm gonna try to articulate something because this speaks really to something that I've been feeling, but it's. Um... Anyway, maybe it comes out a bit choppy, but I really resonate with this role and desire and the importance of the bridge. And I can sense, I have a, I have a concern of where we are today with the tendency for echo chambers and polarization that there's going to be, you know, and this ties into the tool set of, of marketing and, and how, you know, we speak to our tribes and this sort of thing. But there's a vacuum in uncertainty and we have so much um, systemic pressures coming to climactic moments or notable moments that are going to lead to new norms emerging. And if there are not enough channels for bridging, I feel like there's going to be this, uh, there, there's, there's a strong probability of an overall longer process in order. And I'm speaking directly about adopting an appreciation for a more holistic frame for an ecological worldview and awareness um, recognizing that a lot of what makes up our modern and quite comfortable lifestyle is uh, needs to be reflected on this this has to do with business models it has to do with resource management all the, you know a lot of these kind of like buzzword themes that people are familiar with but that really represent sort of fundamental, questions on how we're going to, you know, how we're going to do this together. Um, the communication around those needs better bridging uh, is something that I, I am feeling 
very sensitive to yeah. observing. And so as a marketer, as a person who identifies as someone that has that role of a bridge, how first your, just your reaction to this kind of frame or, or reflection, and then please elaborate on, on how you relate to this topic. Yeah, I, yeah, I totally resonate with what you're saying is that, and I realized that first I, I started seeing the different roles as, you know, as, as individual doing, you know, seeing the world as we are a species in the ecosystem. So we need to be part and our role needs to be syn syner syn synergical. We need to bring some synergy to the ecosystem. I mean, if we are not conducive to life, we are not being a, speci a species that um, um, brings evolution in 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 the, in the biological and in a spiritual way. So I really believe that if we don't decide to be this individual with a role that is conducive to life, we are not going anywhere. And there's. Um, you know, there's this, I have this sense that we have been, I I, I will be a little hard using this word, but I, I think we we are being a little, you know, a cancer cell on the ecosystem. I mean, there's even a correlation of how um, uh, the, the pattern of growth of cities is correlated, very correlated with the pattern of growing of, of, of a cancer. And this is scaring, you know. And um, so we need to go back on that. And what I believe in terms of uh, of putting together portfolio and using the skills that we have is that if we don't see our actions and we don't take choices to be conducive to life, we will be launching products that will be, you know, continuously be extracting and bringing death to our ecosystem. And we need to stop this you know, um, uh, we need a dramatic stop on on the way that we put together the portfolio. So, I believe that the marketing function um, has the right and the duty to reverse all the damage. All the damage, because obviously we ha we know that excessive consumerism and the way that products have been launched and um, drive economy. Uh, is one of the main causes of all the, the exploitation and all the damage that we've been causing to the ecosystem. So it needs to be marketing to redo all that, okay? And the premises is that we don't, we can't do in the same format. So what I'm trying uh, in my new book that I'll be launching soon is that how can marketing become regenerative to the ecosystem? And the 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 lighthouse, you know, the light that I follow is that am I being am is this action or is this strategy, is this product being conducive to life with no fundamentalism? Because, you know, in this transition, in this building, uh, in in this bridge that we are putting together, obviously we can't be perfect, but at least we can have a roadmap and be very conscious on what it is being conducive to light and what is it is still being extractive and damaging to the ecosystem. I, I mean, we need to stop being hypocrite on on our functions and just be aware of what we are doing you know some every time that i consume wrong i know that i'm consuming wrong you know i don't uh i mean i don't uh punish myself all the time but you know it, it it's hard and i do my best for the next time to um 
go another round to see another option to to purchase or to launch a product that you know and I need to to launch because I didn't have any option before and and this authenticity and this transparency of just understanding first our impact positive and, and negative and then putting together strategies always having in mind this um conduciveness of, of like this evolution towards more life more soil more biodiversity I mean when we are speaking about impact investing and and even regeneration, and we move a little bit beside uh, beyond what is being spoken about sustainability, which is just having neutral impact, which we don't have time anymore to be sustainable, especially if you know bringing the greenwash and all of that here. But if we understand that my product can bring at at least more biodiversity or more soil or you know have any impact on the water cycle, anything, and see that major impact as um, um, with, with the whole ecosystem, not only to the functions that are dear to us and, you know, just protect our uh, existence as human being, but just really understanding that if the whole ecosystem doesn't work, we won't be here, you know, to experience anything and there will be no market at all to even do a business. I mean, this, you know, this should be obvious and it, it's still not. So what I'm trying to say, to say is that even if you're, if you can't launch a product or have a strategy that is perfect in terms of bringing regeneration to the ecosystem, at least you can be conscious and, um, and transparent enough to have a roadmap and to know what where you're going and and yes for me marketing is not about communication is really about uh developing portfolio okay so for me it's a lot more about the the marketing mix or the strategy of what am i bringing to the world a lot more than what am i communicating or what would people perceive i mean i'm a little even on marketing terms i'm I'm a little uh, an outlier for, for my peers because I never test my 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 portfolio. I don't. I mean, I just I launch what I perceive to be important to the ecosystem. I I I'm always deep listening. So if if it's not being relevant to the ecosystem, I change. You know, it's not about what I want to bring, but always what I need to be listening to what is relevant to the ecosystem so that it can be conducive of life. So. And I think that when you are in this process of really understanding what's needed to the ecosystem to flourish as a whole, you know, not not thinking about competitors or anything, like I don't resonate with that management language at all. It's when my creations become more sincere and strong, even attracting resources, because it, it's like when you put together a portfolio that Re is really relevant it will sell per se it will be stronger because you have a lot more authority of speaking about that because you're just sure that that is needed and people will validate that so when people ask me about my fundraising strategies i mean it's always hard but i feel that it's easier because i am not speaking about myself and my creation i'm speaking about the importance of what i am holding for the community, you know? So I'm just a vehicle of this voice that everyone should uh, have in community and, you know, uh, in, in the ecosystem as a whole. So um, 
I don't know if I can ground it a lot more, but what I believe is that marketing starts in the strategic part when when you design or observe and allow it to emerge and articulate that information that emerges in a way that is relevant and conducive to life. So it's a lot more on that stage than on communicating. The communication should be, you know, it edu- edu- um, should educate, it should be um, uh, comfortable for, I mean, it shouldn't be evasive or, you know, all those marketing communication techniques that are ev- invasive and uh, manipulating. I mean, I'm just out of that totally. I, I, I don't resonate and put any energy on that. And also the, the consumers are moving away from that, you know, like having access to the internet and all this um, um, access, access to information really allows us to be more uh, selective on what brands we want to communicate and engage. So it's really, it's amazing to see, you know, either from the demand on, or, or from the, the offer perspective that things are getting aligned. So people are bringing to the world products that are a lot more relevant and the consumers are changing and really putting, you know, their energy uh, in the market and, and, and the market will change because consumers are changing the, their behavior, consumer behavior, and because entrepreneurs or even big companies are kind of um, changing their portfolio in order to move towards a different way. And I have, I have a line that I, I love it is, is, is a, a quote from Anna Lab that she says, every time we spend money, we are casting a vote for the type of world we want. So the act of purchasing is actually an act of citizenship. You know, like you can you can really change the course of the economy if you as a as a consumer, as a person, decide to put your money into real economy, you know, the local producer or whatever and not in other places that you know that will be speculative or you know whatever so it's really it, it's really strong i mean that's why i i <laughs> i dedicate all my life to that so because i really believe that we can really change all of this and we have the purchasing power you know we are in in europe in you know the so-called developed countries i don't know this i don't like this terminology because development for me is you know is certain certain ways that other tribes leave and so yeah but anyway i think we can bring a new reference to the economy to the economy and really change the course of where we are all going so yes i think we really need to do that yeah okay so i want to go jump first to a, a another core question then i want to come back to a couple of things you said because i'd love to go a bit deeper but building on this momentum so Let's suppose you had five, 10 billion, pick your number of resources and a huge number of people, thousands, millions of people eagerly waiting to dedicate their time and energy. How would you begin to structure a portfolio of types of projects, public, private? Where would you distribute the energy? Yeah. Well, I'm going to answer with the thing, first thing that you know, came to my life, my, my, my head and my heart, I, the first word is rewilding. Okay. Like totally. So if a project will not 
bring forest back to the forest, it, it will always be incomplete. So what I would do is totally direct resources to projects that are have rewilding com components and probably co-housing, like, you know, the, the type of projects that bring people back to nature so that they can have time and space to connect and to transform themselves while giving back space to nature in a rewilding matter, not in a, in a very controlled forest project kind of, you know, uh, project like that. I mean, we, and because we need time again to observe what nature has been teaching us for, you know, all this billions of years and, and have time to connect with that. So I would put, and I am putting lots of resources on that. I would start buying land <laughs> and I don't even believe in, you know, um, property in that dense sense, but I mean, if the law doesn't change and if we are not, if we are not allowed to interfere if, if the property is not ours or some kind of property, even if it's a, you know, a rental mechanism, whatever. Um, so what I'm trying to say is that we, I would buy the land just to protect the land, probably in, in a format of a foundation or anything that could bring us to a co-ownership of that huge asset, which is a diverse forest and, you know, mature forest, because lots of people are speaking about carbon sequestration and all of that. And it's, I mean, it seems shallow to me to just continue to see things in boxes, you know, if we don't have a bigger perspective, we will probably be solving one problem here and, you know, creating another one there. So I think holistic projects should be at the core of development. And we know that the drivers of economy are tourism or real estate or, you know, raw materials or resources. So we could, we could have this kind of aisles that could bring these new references, because if people see things working and see the rewilding processes and really have a space to connect and understand that they feel comfortable uh, because there's a lot of stereotypes still around um, people that work with the land, people that, you know, uh, especially in Portugal, that agriculture and all those métiers like carpentry, all those things that are, you know, people are masters in that, you know, a, a master carpenter is a person that is, has is as a huge skills, but in Portugal is still perceived as a lower kind of work. And this is so sad because people that are working with the land are more necessary and relevant that maybe a doctor, you know, because we eat every day. I, I'm not diminishing the, the, yeah. and now we have a huge shortage of the talent. Yeah. 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 But please continue. Yeah. So. You know, and some people, even highly educated people, they just feel the longing to be there and planting and doing, you know, a manual work. And I think people that are more conscious now, they are allowing themselves to go back to what really drives their happiness and their connection and sense of belonging. So, so it brings us to the, the, the old the issue of education. Okay. That, that's a huge part of it. So, yeah. So what I, 
in my function, what I try to do is to have infrastructure, which is ecological and housing or infrastructure for um, schools, you know, kind of, um, kind of alternative. I don't also like this term, but you know, schools that allow children to just be free in forest and all that, and and all the uh, the value chain around creating infrastructure so that a, a certain value chain that is deeply ecological, deeply respectful can thrive, you know, and this is going back and bringing back liquidity to the real economy, to the productive factors of what moves the whole e economy. Because if we keep on doing all digital, all, you know, every, you know, all the money in a certain cloud, in, in certain numbers, but they're not, if the liquidity, the money is not grounded in the productive factors, in, in people, in nature, if, if we don't ground back the money, the liquidity, we're just exploiting, you know? So we are taking the resources, transforming it in some digital numbers in a certain cloud for certain people, and that liquidity is not going back. I mean, you know, and liquidity, uh, you know, we assume it as money in the pocket, but remember liquidity is the quality of being liquid. And if we associate liquidity to water, it's like you're draining all the land and resources and people and energy, and you're not bringing the rain back. So obviously it will all dry. Okay. So liquidity is—it's one of my anchors of looking how business. I do my own business. I mean, I need to understand. Okay, I can have this liquidity from selling a product that is relevant and it, it made some people, ha some person happy, or it transformed the life in that person some way. And this liquidity, I apply it back to the forest, to people, to whatever, whatever brings more life. You know what I mean? I just don't keep it in a pocket or in a certain cloud. It doesn't make me, doesn't make any sense to me. You know, it's like, no, keeping the water in a container when everything is dry out there, just because I'm selfish enough and I need that water in my container, you know, like, but then I look aside and it's all dry and, and, and ugly. And no, I mean, I just want to put it back the water. so. I can see a forest and it gets beautiful out there, you know? And the, that's why I believe that in management terms, it's a personal transformation, it's a personal, um, I mean, we need to personally transform our ways of doing so that we can bring something new. Because if we continue to see the world in the management perspectives or on those schools of thought, we are slaves of that and we we are not free enough to try other things out because we are you know completely focused on making sure that the market will accept it or whatever you know things that teach us in management school and yeah and i don't believe that anymore so i just do the things that i do and then whenever i fail i fail but at least i try <laughs> You know, and I think we will eventually find another way. For instance, for me, it's really super hard to have resources in a project that is fully dedicated to 
rewilding or whatever. Only if it has, you know, carbon credit, something that is monetized in a way that adds value or, you know, a certain type of indicator that investors value. But I see that changing. I see a lot of people with a lot of liquidity in a tank somewhere wanting to pour water, to pour money towards something that they believe and they can't explain why. I just believe in that. I just, I just have, I just want to, you know, have this piece of my fortune to, to, to contribute in a different way. So, and, and this was a personal transformation. You know what I mean? It's not the market that told him that it was most profitable to invest in certain projects. Is that he or she have has changed from the inside? Yeah, and yeah, I could go on on that, but I think we are just waking up to what is really important in the world, and we are lots of them already. Yeah, and I'm very happy with that. Yeah, so I'd, I'm picking out the the need for the internal transformation, rewilding education, and this concept of liquidity and putting not just in you know financial terms, but it also extending that into water and flows of nature and resources. And yeah, it was very, very beautiful. I wonder, I'm, I, we may have already spoken about this, but are you familiar with the Three Horizons framework? Um, I would love you to, to give- Just give to, a quick, yeah. yeah it's yeah. a, I'm forgetting the name actually. Maybe I'll put it back in after in the notes. But it, Horizon 1 is basically on its way down and this is business as usual. Horizon 2 is starting to emerge, but it will also fall. And Horizon 3 is working slowly at the bottom and will eventually take over horizon two. And so thinking of where we are now looking for, okay, there's enough people acknowledging we really need to get on it as fast as possible for rewilding and restoring the water cycle because it's, you know, compounding problems with droughts and fires and all of these things. But where are the business models that support that and how does that map to the current economy. And so there's kind of this like horizon two transitionary stage where then there's a hope and who knows what it looks like, but in horizon three, new models of society and market and however we decide to organize things will will come up and stabilize to hopefully be in better relationship with nature and as we were discussing earlier, our species being conducive and, and actually, you know, supporting the thriving of, of nature. And I sort of see this as a great frame and also probably one that fractals out and that it's like occurs at every different, you know, that there's a whole series of horizon one, two, threes in many different dimensions of just education. And then, you know, and, and each one is sort of an invitation to branch out and think more holistically and the same in terms of real estate, you know, and forest management and water management and all of these things. And I wonder how we can navigate in horizon two my question for reflection and discussion is you know what do you think of that frame of horizon two and and how can we take care that our efforts can stabilize so that they're not fleeting temps that then just get eaten up by the sort of defense mechanism or immune system of the current paradigm like how do we stabilize that transition knowing that it's probably not as far as we want it to go Okay, this is good ground to to take for now, right? This is a it's a good step. Yeah, I think the main word is resilience. Um, 
because yeah, we need to insist a lot and endure a lot so that this can be stabilized in a certain way. I react a little bit on understanding what is out there that is damaging. I personally, I mean, this, this is just my format. I tend not to um, understand or train myself when I see things done very bad because you know I, I I'm super sensitive so I feel sad and I you know I, I drain myself and I, I don't like I just I I put my energy on those types of solutions and I endure on them and I try to support as much as I can people that are doing the same and um when going a little back on what we were discussing uh, previously is that when you find your function and you were open enough to understand what is emerging and then you apply those frameworks to articulate new ways of doing things and you use soft skills like resilience and endurance and empathy and you know all this set of skills new set of new to the business as usual sets of skills that we need to bring something different it's for me, it's the basic of things more than what specifically are we are bringing if it's a co-housing or, you know, a forest project. I think it's more about the, the, the personality that you need to allow yourself to have because more than what specifically do you bring? Because I, I'm really not attached to, to the result if I am not consistently in the place of mind and heart to receive what is needed. Am I making sense? Because if if I am really driven just for the result, I will miss the information that I need to, to receive. And what I'm trying to say, to, to put it in a more concrete way, is that if we if we are, if we develop things in this place, we will create projects and and actions that will be more effective on that step on on bringing that stability and that resilience. I I I, I hope that I'm not being too abstract, but no, for I me think, yeah. Let me know if I'm if I'm understanding. It's it's getting to this point of it really has to do with where each of us is coming from individually. That we're holding that space that is capable to view the world and relate to the work ahead. And that that's equally or more important than exactly where we're going. Is that kind of yes? Because part of it. Yes, because if we are open to that, the path will show us what, how, with who. You know, it's like doing the Santiago Trail. You know that you're get, you know where you're getting. You know, you see the whole the, the cathedral, but it's all about the faith of really allowing yourself to just follow the right leads. And I normally call. Th those leads like our heart leads that I, I'm not sure where I'm going, but you know, it feels right to, to go in this way. And then eventually on the path, we'll discover what it is and what it is can be a certain contribution to the ecosystem. It can be a, a product, it can be a service. I mean, we never know what I'm trying to bring to this conversation is that as a marketeer, that the process of develop in the process of development is a lot more important to be in this place of openness and in again open to receive what is coming than 
trying to push something to the ecosystem. Uh, because if we if we are not in this place of openness, we even eventually we we are not even receive what we are supposed to be doing here, because we are forcing us to do something that finds that seems to be very rational and you know very accurate for that this moment in time, but we don't allow us to grow in the direction that we are supposed to grow. And this might sound very metaphysical, but I I mean I found my path and I eventually became very successful in what I'm doing because I just opened up to receive what was there. You know, it's not I I didn't do anything. <laughs> I just allow myself to be a vehicle. I and I and I tell you this with all my honesty, you know, because I I didn't realize that even I would become an ecologist and be be so in love with nature and you know, I as I, as you know, I, I'm a master in management. I could, it could have been wrong, you know. Um, yeah. So, so, and this is what I work when I'm in in my head of educator. Is what I try to work a lot more than the articulation itself, because people are bright. You know, when when you just know what you're doing in your heart. You just need to apply your mental set skills to just articulate what you're doing. So I, I totally believe that everyone was, will be able to articulate what comes if they allow us be, allow them before to to receive the, the bigger picture. Um, yeah, I don't want to insist a, a lot more in this point, but I think this is the turning point of really, you know, yeah, driving. If you. Know. If you'll stay in it a little bit longer, I'd love to just explore a little bit because I think yeah, it's she... um, it's super. Well, one, and I'm gonna come back to where where we are right now. But one point that comes up for me is there's this real common um, position, I would say, or, or belief that you start start with your personal growth, and I think that's kind of an exaggerated. Um, well, start. First with yourself, then start changing the world. I think there's like deep value and wisdom in that. And that there's also um, a challenging uh, interpretation that can lead people to not engage with civic or environmental or any of these actions. And going down that path of personal growth, it's it's never ending, right? You're always at the frontier of your, you know, unfolding your relationship with yourself and but there are, you know, you do start to see other other travelers and you feel, okay, I think we've got at least some common uh, world viewing or, we've, you know, we've gone through a few stages that make us feel, uh, you know, a deeper sense of alignment. And so, that, you know, on one side, there's like, if you're not yet on the journey of personal growth, perhaps you're not seeing the world in a way that's fit to make good decisions, yeah, I think is like one of the interpretations. And then on the other side, it's like, if you just keep f focusing on yourself, uh, you know, maybe you, you get down, you get sucked into that and you end up not applying yourself where your, your gifts and your value and your energy would be, you know, incredibly great. And you could still pursue your personal growth through, um, impactful work. And so what I was thinking about as you were describing this openness is like the relationship that you have to your expectations. And so I wonder, you know, how you would, how would you advise someone that, you know, is perhaps 
gotten this question in their mind. I know I have a lot to work on myself. And as I get deeper into this work, so many of the, you know, wise elders are telling me focus first on this and this. Um, and that's leading to, you know, my introspective, um, side of personal patterns and all these things, but remaining open. So, you know, we can even apply the portfolio lens. How would you, uh, advise someone with this, this set of reflection to, to keep open, but also keep, um, persistent. Yeah. That was kind of a mashup kind of frame, but yeah, please take it away. Well, I observe that there is a perception that personal development should have an objective, should get us somewhere. So there, I observe a lot of pressure, even on people trying to find their purpose, you know, their place of belonging. So the, I observe a lot that pressure on themselves to get somewhere in that process. But yeah, as you were saying, it's not about the place that you get, but the path that you, you know, that you walk on and, and the, the baby steps that you do towards that. And for me, my, my personal journey, I, I started, I didn't even know where it was taking me, but I started just, I was in a deep, you know, on my twenties, I was in a deep, um, sadness. I, you know, my first love sadness, I, I, I was two years in a row in a very difficult situation. And, and I was so, so sad that I couldn't stand being with myself. So I forced myself to just walk or run. I, I love jogging in the forest. I was living in a habit at the moment, just for half an hour, you know? And so I would force myself just to go out there and do a little jogging. And eventually that half an hour became one hour and then it was a trail and whatever. And that starts, gave me energy to bring another layer, which is super important, which is curiosity. So if you choose to leave the place of uncertainty, of sadness or, you know, confusion, whatever, if you decide not to be on that place all the time and you start doing things you love, eventually your energy changes and you become more, you know, open and more energized to even start searching around your curiosity. So I started learning a lot. You know, I did all of the things that I wanted to do that my curiosity was leading me. And that eventually, because I was consistent on, you know, taking the decision of doing things that I loved, even if it was 10 minutes per day, but the, just that discipline of doing what I love and allow my curiosity to bring me sometimes to places that didn't make sense in my mind at the time, but I was just exploring and allow me to do that. Eventually it became my career because I blended myself with my authorization in myself to explore the things that I didn't understand at the time, but eventually I, you know, allowed me to grow in a certain way. So if we don't put our minds in everything that we do and we just do what makes sense to us and open space in our life for things we love and that it, we eventually put together our, our career. And my, I have one of my sisters, she's uh, 19 right now and she, she, she's studying architecture and she wants, you know, she's, she will be gladly a ecological architecture, um, architect. And she told me once, um, Manda, it's how we call it in Portugal, uh, sister, I, 
I would love to do what you do. And I said, what do I do? You built your own career. I built my own career. Yes, you did, because there was no such thing as regenerative marketing or, you know, anything that it's on this place and you just created it. And I looked at her in her 90s and I said, yeah, I didn't realize that just doing the things that I personally love would lead me to contribute to the world in a certain way that brings me resources and abundance and still, I mean, I'm very proud of my projects um, just because I believe that they are relevant to the ecosystem and make, you know, have um, a regenerative ground to people that actually engage with, with my portfolio. So not sure if I'm answering a question, but for me, it all is all about that on discovering, allowing ourselves to discover. Don't put a lot of pressure of trying to reach somewhere or to design something or to push something in ourselves or in others, but really give the space for that. I took 10 years, okay, to kind of manage myself. I think now it's even quicker because we have a lot more resources, a lot of mentorship. I mean, I I am so happy for the new generations because they they, they arrive in this world with a total different mindset with different types of resources because you know we are putting together soil for them to be to receive it more fertile in this in that sense so i am so hopeful that new generations can even be more um fast on bringing change yeah did, yeah, did that's i great yeah yeah I, I think it connects very much to how you were describing earlier your your approach to marketing and it comes back to this it's the authentic uh, drive that you have. And so it, you follow your curiosity, you follow your passion, and then it, it also doesn't feel as much like work, perhaps, like a career. It's, it's sort of No, unfolding. and I don't, yeah, I don't even um, name it marketing, what, what I do, because marketing yeah. is the way that you deal with markets. So I don't believe that we should be looking at the world as a market, we should be looking at the world as an ecosystem and the function of marketing should be to, um, to work with the value chains so that abundance circulates in a wealthy and healthy way. So I don't call it marketing anyway, but I, I will dis I will disclose the, the do the disclosure of the name later when I launch the book. So I'm obviously we need new concepts. So I put together a different concept. Um, and because this kind of view of marketing is totally obsolete. So I, I soon, I'll probably, I, I wish that we wouldn't be speaking about marketing anymore because we can't work to develop markets anymore. You know, it, it doesn't make sense. It's totally obsolete. And, and yes, that's why, you know, biomimicry, deep ecology, and all of these new layers of thought that we need to incorporate. And I try to do a curatorship in the book that, you know, this, these are the schools of thought that we didn't learn at school when we should go through so that we can have our own decisions more informed with different lenses that we are not taught before, you know. And I studied biology until right before um, university. So I, I had, I, I had access to, access to the information on nature, but in, in a way that I couldn't transport it to management at the time. I didn't, I didn't put those synapses running in the right way only later. 
but but yes so trying to learn through different lenses to completely different schools of thought some of them i don't even agree with them anymore but they just made me think and arrive and made me arrive in my in my conclusions, my own conclusions, you know, sometimes you read things that you don't really agree, but they, they allow you to think and to um, bring more elasticity to your your brain and heart, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I wonder, I didn't know if we would get into it, but I think this is a perfect moment. If If you were going to reflect on a new general education, what would be some of the highlights that you would suggest for younger generations or people at any age, really, that are looking to reconcile their current, you know, hypocrisy in their worldview and with what's emerging and trying to emerge uh, into this, you know, more full and aware. Uh, what are some of the highlights? Maybe this is a teaser for your book. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, there are a lot of schools if or communities so, I mean, it's not about school. I I think it's about community, first of all. Um, and a radical change in format should be done. I mean, I believe that our children and even babies should just be fed into their own curiosity. Okay. So if I, and I, I am so grateful that my mother did this with me all the time. I mean, when I grew up, I just wanted books and puzzles. So she, every single day she bought me a different book or a different puzzle. And she was just feeding on my curiosity because I wanted puzzles, you know? And she didn't force me on having dolls or anything that, you know, other friends of mine were thinking. She just respected my curiosity and my, you know, my enthusiasm. And with that, I was able to have access so my educator, my main educator, just gave me access with what I was felt drawn to. And so in, 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 in elaborating on this, I believe that we should have a community structure with a place that children could go with no democrat, demographic division, you know, these classes. I mean, you're in the first year and you're in the fourth. I mean... If I am developing in the context that is first year, but fourth in another content, why shouldn't I be separated or delayed or uh, or feel um, sad because I'm not, you know, in 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 certain level of, of my colleagues or my, you know, my my friends? I'm not sorry. My my English is not coming very well on this. What I'm trying to say is that. If our children are educating in a way that they are not put in boxes in classes, but they are fed within the community with the with the objects, access to certain information that comes genuine, genuinely from inside of them and consistently being fed on that, being fed. I mean, I, I really see when, when the children are hungry for certain part of the world or certain part uh, a certain topic if we gave them access to that they eventually they will find themselves very early and so i see a structure where children are free obviously in nature i mean this is for me something basic maybe with no classrooms but with a more flexible um opportunity um framework so that they can explore their freedom 
I, I see a lot of parents, I hope I'm not being judgmental here, but I see a lot of parents entertaining children all the time so they don't get bored. And if they don't get bored, they can't find what is appealing for them. So, you know, I see a lot of parents pushing information or entertainment all the time so they don't, how can they find themselves if they are overwhelmed with information all the time, you know? So for me, it's hard because I found myself every time that I was bored, because when I'm bored, you know, I observe myself, wow, my energy is go taking me this way, you know, wow, this is interesting. I want to do, I mean, the pandemics brought me this a lot, you know, when I, when I had nothing to do because everything was collapsed, I was four months alone in a house that I have in Algarve. And I started doing things that I hated because I just wanted, I started learning digital marketing. I don't post on the internet. I found myself curiosity just to study. And I was okay with that. And I learned, I didn't apply, but you know, it was nice to have the different set of skills in it. I think this is, it lags and the Portuguese educational system is really strict on that. You know, in the first year you learn this, in the second year you learn that. And where, where is the freedom of our children? And I see this context until university. Even if they don't have any, um, you know, we call it canudo in Portugal, you know, uh, um, a certification. Oh, I'm a university student, you know, I'm a PhD. And if my children don't want to study, you know, in this kind of structured way, I will support them. You know what I mean? It's not about the paper that you had because you were amazing at school, but it's about, did you find yourself while you dedicated your life to learning and school is part of us until we die, I believe. It's not something that you do in certain years and then you go to work. That's another thing that I don't really believe in, you know? For instance, if if children would like to start a métier before, why wouldn't they be allowed to, to do that? You know what I mean? Métier is what? A métier, sorry. It's, uh, yeah, it's a French word. I can't... A métier is that where you encounter yourself in certain context with certain, um, for instance, my métier is um, ecology. So I, all my, I, I, all that I do is around ecology. So oh, it's great. my oh, métier. It's like a, a folk, an area of focus in the yeah, in yeah, school. Thank yeah, you. okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, my métier can be finance, can be carpentry, can oh, be, great. yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So yeah, there's yeah. so much in there. Yeah. I think uh, one of the things I'm, I, I have three, three kids, stepson turning 19 in, in a couple of weeks. Uh, my daughter will be nine and, and next month and my son youngest turns three, uh, this weekend. Wow. Sunday. Yeah. And, uh, it's something I think a lot about. We, you know, in the pandemic, things went on to online and it was very, disruptive it wasn't working and we ended up pulling my daughter out we started a small little homeschool group and we looked at kind of a mix of Montessori and forest school we had a great little group but then each month somebody moved left the country and so the group started at six occasionally we'd have eight on a couple of days where we did more uh woodworking activities and these things but then it just got too small and anyway pandemic changed and we got her back into the school with, with her friends but 
it's something that I think a lot about is what are the first, what is the relationship with learning that she's being presented? It's that meta, it's that overall frame, right? How are you judged by, you know, the exams, by what you're, what's expected for you in comparison to your peers, the yeah, kids being in the same grade at the same age also makes, that's something Montessori does great, you know. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't reward you when you're trying to uh, advance when you're you know, feeding your natural skills and and where I think it's going to be really fascinating to watch is you know now all the way up to higher education it doesn't map to the available job market so that whole premise that promise is starting to come apart a little bit and people will realize that they need to be more resilient more adaptive be able to retrain themselves and you know maybe that high hope of this great lifestyle and career you know remain open. You know, you still have abundance yeah. in the world, but it's not necessarily going to be the way the career counselor laid it out for you. And Yeah, but yeah. see, you just mentioned it as job market. You know what I mean? Another sure. market. Yeah. That, yeah. And for me, you either can enter the job market or find your function in the ecosystem or your role. So in terms of careers, yeah, in terms of careers, I, I, I believe in this more in this positioning yourself with your function and eventually discover your career than putting yourself in the box so that it can fit the job market, you know, and I was very good at that, you know, and I love doing the PhD. I'm, I'm a total classical girl in school. So I am actually glad that I went through the classical things and I... And I believe that there are a lot of children that are still do will be contributing with this breach. So for some children can be even healthy to, you know, to go to the classical system. I, I also have this opened because, yeah, we never know what their function is. And some of them might, you know, be willing to go through the classical so that they can, you know, have their own function on on the ecosystem so i think we need to open and even not force that in our, our children but i'm not a mother yet so i just speak on theory um but um on the other side i would love to be part of the creation of this structure community structure to would that would go from you know kindergarten to university and i would love to be part of that community i mean Actually, yeah, in one of my projects, I, I'm probably eventually getting there in a, in a place for that. But then, you know, you know, all the lobbying around education, all the lobbying, even on having birth, you know, all, all the process of generating new lives has huge lobbying around. And it's like, I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't like to speak about the system because I am part of the system, so that I don't like that separation. But you know, the, where we live and the system that we co-create and engage with, it's like there are a lot of barriers of understanding, I would say, and an empathy that don't allows allow us to experiment things. For instance, giving birth at home or whatever, you know, and it, for children, it all starts from there also. And even before, so education for me starts with several processes that we need to create different infrastructures so that our children arrive in this world in a way that are, they are more and more free to explore who they are. And it should be lifelong, 
a lifelong experiences. Obviously, this is totally far fetched from what we, you know, the moment that we are right now. But I, I believe that I want to contribute for that, even if I don't arrive there. Yeah, I think this is, this is our, this is our task. I like the framing. You know, it's not a, it's not a problem. It's a predicament. It's how do we shift our ecosystem? And I love, you know, your your description of finding your function within the ecosystem and. One of the challenges there, and this comes back to the portfolio of transformation, is that a lot of it isn't on offer yet. So if I feel like I'm, you know, most at home, going around and, you know, lifting up people's moods and helping out with small things, but that's not really a specific thing because I hop from all these different groups, you know, and I know a few people that are, this is their natural skill and they are spectacular yeah. at it. But at the end of the day, you say, what did you do? And like, uh, not much, you know. And so there's this, you know. There's not a, you know, it's not valued that, that, um, that contribution. And one of the ways I've been exploring that thought is we, we need to look at ecosystems of transformation. It's not just education. Like you were saying, it's not just rewilding. It's rewilding with the co-housing with the, you know, there needs to be some cluster that can help break through the norm and stabilize. So it's not just, oh, that was a great rewilding project and I lost funding three years in and now you can read the story on the blog. You know, it's like, it's, you know, we, we have to, we have to have enough of a sort of escape velocity from the current paradigm to get into a new stage. And that's, that's super exciting. I think. Um, and I didn't answer to that specifically because I really don't know how is it going to to be faster or I really have no clue on how we can make this. That's why I put it in a, I try to simplify it and not overthink on huge strategies. I love who does that and I admire who does that. So hopefully bright souls will come out with that uh, answers. And myself, since I really don't know, I just try it out. And yeah. then I see it, what pace I can go with my creations, you know? Yeah. And, but this is caring, not knowing how to contribute better. I mean, I question myself every single day. Sometimes I, I don't have a personal life because I'm so entangled with all the computer work that I have to do all the time. And then I can't go out for a walk because I didn't find a space for that. And that, so it, it is sad. So yeah, so I, I need to go back to my lifestyle on and on and do those things that are also important, you know, so that we can re-energize and yeah. 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 The, the world and all its mysteries will always be waiting for us yeah. <laughs> when we come back <laughs> from our walk. You know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that... well, Barbara, this has been great. I'm going to just paying attention to the time here. I'll go to a few, you know, just final short questions, ask you to give your, your, your answer um and then we'll wrap it up i would love to go for another hour or two but i think save that for another time so what are the people or projects or really anything that stand out in your memory as being really inspiring to you yeah well the first person that pops out is tobias he is in love with seeds Okay, so he found himself a way to reforest and do rewilding, not from plantation, but by just spreading seeds. 
in a context that he engaged a big corp for that. So he's super honest, his work. I don't know if it's relevant to tell the story, but it's a story that regeneration that I must tell you, I romantize it a little bit, okay? But I'm going to tell the story because it's amazing and it happens in, happens in Portugal. So Lush, you know, the cosmetics brand, which is vegan and it's super conscious in so many ways, they they had, they were selling, they sell their, those solid soaps, uh, shampoos or whatever, and they were using, they still use the metal cases, but because of the all the uh, slavery perception or even real slavery and, you know, extraction of mineral, they decided to try out cork pods, you know, certain cork um, case, reusable cases for the soap. And Portugal is, you know, supplier of the world of cork. And they decided to contact this to be that had a cooperative of rewilding and all that. And she said, oh, we want to supply ourselves with sustainable cork. And to be a said, okay, so let's not go to the monocultures, but let's attract small producers that would allow us to bring more biodiversity in the in, in their lands. So the agreement was, okay, Lush pays up front the cork to this small producer, and the small producer only has allow um, needs to allow to uh, introduce different species, you know, native species of forest in their lands. Okay, that's fine. With time, what happened, like after five years, what happened is that when you bring biodiversity, you bring some products. So eventually some families start being able to sell medroinho, I don't know the terms in English, but you know, zimbru and a lot of native species that are value high, they're very high value in the market. So they start earning a lot more. And you know that a small producer in a local community tends to spend in the local community. So there's this liquidity going around, just a different choice of supplying. You know, so a big company decides to supply themselves with raw material differently. And in time, more biodiversity was, you know, appearing in the lands. And, you know, obviously more money also attracts, attracts more families and a lot of a lot of land started you know to you know people started to group up with their lands and when you have a thousand hectares impacted with biodiversity you know what happened or do, do you see what happens and this is in alentejo like it's a, a place that it's very uh desertified you know with no water at all when we when you start impacting thousands of hectares you start impacting on the life cycle on the water cycle so what has started to happen is that if you have more biodiversity you have you know more soil you can storage more water you can you know you do a lot more evapotranspiration but you know in and also you allow the rain to come more because you know forest attracts rain and and it's you know a full cycle of of um um of abundance that comes and if it comes more rain it doesn't come only to those producers obviously it comes to the region so agriculture is impacted and it's where i romantize it a little bit so i do believe that a project like this can impact the whole region just because a company decided to source differently and and the process, the commercial process, is put in um, a raw material is put on 
buying a raw material that impacts that is conducive to life in this in this sense. So a monoculture was transformed in a native forest, not a rewilding project, but you know, part of it. More money was put into real economy, families were thriving. You know, Lush paid the same, you know, and has a lot of a huge storytelling, a story to tell. And eventually they, then this company of Tobias, he produced the cork pots in their own fabric. So they, they developed that, they created labor uh, on the area and Lush transported the cork pots by sailing boats back to the UK, which is even a, a nice story. And what I'm trying to say is that if we find ways to, to approach the markets or the ecosystems like that, that this is very inspiring for me. So to be ish case is like, it's amazing. And he's a, an amazing human being, you know, and, it, and he was doing, um, he was doing a visit in Bioville a long, a long time ago. And he made me look to the 55 hectares that we have there, um, that would, they were devastated by fires before. So, you know, we don't have lots of trees in Bioville. And he told me, see, you have their 60 years of regeneration and a pool of biodiversity that is needed everywhere in Portugal. And I didn't see that, you know, that's why, and I'm, I'm going back. I mean, his curiosity and love for seeds allows him to see the world in a different perspective and eventually articulated his love for forest and seeds in a way that brought abundance to everyone. Isn't this an amazing career? <laughs> and even an amazing way of doing sourcing and helping our responsibility in the world as a company, you know, and the story that it can, you know, can, can raise. Yeah. So every project that, for instance, Alfred Cindy with Herdado Freixo do Maio, I mean, he's one of his, our elders, you know, he's like a wise person. I don't know. I, I have many, many people. Probably I consume the time with the story. I don't know. <laughs> you tell me. Uh, no, that was a great story. I, if you want to tell about Belfred too, maybe one or two yeah, others. I, Happy to, yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, Alfredo, I, I'm not sure if he's a, an ecologist, a philosopher, a man, a wise man. I mean, he's all of that. He's a, a, a older man that has a lot of wisdom. So he tells a lot of story and he, he runs uh, huge actors of land. And one thing that he inherited those lands and he took care of them in a way that it was super inspiring. I mean, the, the first CSA uh, projects in Portugal, Community Supported Agriculture, were, you know, from his hands. And it's super inspiring. I mean, there's a lot of information online. But the message that I get from him is that it was one of the first people receiving huge amounts of lands. And in Portugal, we have big heritage that we have two choices or we... Go, become guardians of that land or we just allow exploration to happen with real estate or whatever so and in portugal we are attracting a lot of you know broad investment and if we don't protect what is ours even if it's a foreign person but really you know respects the land as as a portuguese um we will be destroying the country and we will be losing all you know all our resources so yeah he's an amazing person for that and yeah, Quinta de Chet Nomes, um, so many inspiring people. 
um yeah I don't know. I think there are so so many right now. It's super inspiring the the regenerative ecosystem in Portugal and even social innovation. Um, yeah, just I think these keywords could allow people to 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 go to the to to the information. Very yeah. nice. These are Very my nice. people. That I great. admire. All. <laughs> great, uh, great inspiration. Great, great to have people in the community that keep you pushing forward. Yeah. So. The next question is thinking about a leader, anybody really in a company or organization that is sincerely looking at how they can become more regenerative. What advice would you, and, and assuming that they're new to these themes, they have some high level understanding, sustainability is important. We've got, you know, we're concerned about our carbon emissions, but they're not yet into, um, into the weeds. Um, what would be your initial advice on their beginning their journey? Yeah, I would go, you know, the accounting spreadsheet, where are you spending the money? If it's a raw material, just understand the impacts of what you are sourcing. I mean, it's all about sourcing. And if you start from understanding what you're sourcing, through the ecosystem and he, and then it will lead you to understand the value chain around that. I mean, if it's a company that is super heavy um, in a certain raw material, there's your lead, you know? And even if it's a service company, I mean, you need computers and the digital, I mean, you know, ecological footprint is everywhere, even in the digital world, you know, there's huge, you know, buildings just to store data that are consuming electricity all the time and, you know, emitting carbon. So independently, if you're running a service or a product business, really understanding what you're sourcing the most and understanding the value chain around and the story and, and eventually even going to your supplier, you know, understanding what the impact is around that and trying to, or either change the sourcing or um, bring benefits for the, the our our suppliers to change their ways. For instance, I when the company starts in in their in their beginning, they try to do CSR, you know, like corporate social responsibility, and I'm always a little skeptic, skeptical of that because you just you know you bring from one side and you try to you know um, do it better on on another way. But I think if you don't bring it to the core, you are not you'll not be able to change anything. So having a way through the value chain is the start. And sometimes it's just helping the, the local supplier to have scale to source you. For instance, if you could be sourcing locally something that you need to import from another part of the world, maybe you should just need to look at the cooperative and ask them, what do you need to source in this quantity? So can I pay you up front? Can I share my liquidity with, with you so that you buy in the machinery or improve your processes so that you can, you know, source me afterwards. So sometimes free payments solve a lot of things. So that's one of the things. Another things is re another one that is a step beyond is like really analyzing the products. If, if it's a very degenerative product, should I be putting my energy on that? Should I, I at least have a plan to transfer the business to another unit that could be, you know, 
bringing to the world something that is a lot more regenerative. And this takes a lot of courage, but depending on the way that you are, even if you start just looking at the value change, knowing the impacts and trying to buy from the productive value and knowing the impact and trying to engage with the with the value chain in the way that brings value to everyone, that will be a first very nice first step. And if you want to be bolder, then really be critical on your portfolio. And it's like sometimes you get hard truths and really knowing, oh my God, I'm devastating this part of my country or, you know, but I need, I think we need, you need to be in a conscious place and in an openness place that not every manager is. So I think this could be done for a certain type of people that actually started to be open for that. That's why I don't push certain type of information for people that are not ready. I just respect, you know, because sometimes I'm not ready to receive other information. I need people to respect the place that I am, you know, so not to be judgmental, but really doing our best would be the, the approach in these two angles, if I could suggest, yeah. And then asking for help. I mean, if you don't know how to change the value chain, ask for people that see the cases, see what people are doing, sometimes in different industries. You can be inspired in an industry that does have nothing to do with your own, but you can ins get inspired on the processes or in the change of the value chain. So just ask for help, study, open yourself to the information and, and yeah and be courageous enough to do the change. Indeed, a lot of courage needed. And even if it's hard to reassess your, uh, as you were making that last point about considering the product that you're producing, know that your consumers are considering that too. Yeah. And so it's coming, that reflection. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, Barbara, thank you so much. It's been really nice to have this conversation floor we got i think we got pretty deep on a few points but they still feel like they're oceans that could be explored and yeah thank you so much for sharing and when your new book is out i look forward to sharing that as well checking it out yeah thank you so much for your work i mean you've been a lot like inspiring also lots of people so thank you as a, as a person i thank you for your work and and yes i hope we can continue this conversation soon so yes yeah Thank you very much. Thank you.